and we are live hello hello and welcome everyone hello um i'm vicky and i'm katie and welcome to strong tea now if this is the first time you've come across this podcast welcome you are in for a treat strong tea is all about talking about the taboo it's talking about the topics that we should be learning more about things that we think people should be talking about more um, and we feel really strongly that we are using this platform to not only help educate, but to kind of really delve into the topics that maybe you've got questions about and you never really had the opportunity to ask or to learn something brand new that you never even knew was out there. Um, so again, welcome to Strong Tea. And before we get into it and we introduce our wonderful guest for today, I am very curious, Agnieszka. What are you drinking? Yay! Hi, everyone. So I am drinking a mint tea, and as our topic will go, I will tell you why. <laughs> oh, I love a mint tea. tea. Yeah, I love a mint tea. Yeah. What are you drinking, Katie? Um, I've gone for a wonderful bird and blend tea today, and I'll tell you why. It's called Deck Chair Dreaming. I know it's uh, and the the way it describes it is snoozing. I know, Freddie, it's exciting. Uh, snoozing all summer long with this fruity valerian. Oh, he doesn't like the tea. He's not a fan oh, of the tea. But it's true. a it's a fruity valerian blend. Now, val- well, valerian. I've only he- ever heard them talk about that in Game of Thrones, where they talk about valerian yes. steel. So now I'm drinking wow. like really special tea that's got chamomile, apple, rose hip, blossom, hibiscus, and orange peel in it. It's really nice. Tea dragons. Oh, I, do you know I like that? I like that. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. We can, we can call it that. What are you drinking? Is it as exciting as that? Pucker. Other brands are available. Uh, but Pucker, feel new, which has got um, aniseed, fennel and cardamom. Now, fun fact, kids, I don't like any of those. No. But I actually like the tea. It's oh, no, very... tea. Yeah. I don't like those things either. And you made that sound horrible. But now I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's a really nice tea. So there we go. Don't don't knock it until you try it. And do you feel new? I've let you know when I finish the cup. I, feel, I still feel old right now. But um, yeah. So maybe it's a work in progress. Maybe it, you get more new as you go along. The subtitle of my autobiography, <laughs> Work in Progress. Love it. <laughs> right, without further ado, we're going to come on to our wonderful guest. As Vicky already mentioned, we have the wonderful Agnieszka with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Agnieszka is a holistic coach. Um, who helps people who have polycystic ovary syndrome and as I suffer from this and only got diagnosed two years ago um, it was one of the topics that I was desperate to cover because I think so many people need to know and understand about this because I was diagnosed so late that it took me a long time to understand it and find out about it and obviously we had our pre-chat with you and listened to your story and you you went through a very similar process of getting diagnosed and you've done so much work on yourself to come out the other side and to help others. So without further ado, would you tell us your story? Yes, yes. So thank you, Katie and Vicky, for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. And so before I tell you my story, let me tell you what is polycystic ovary syndrome. So your listeners have better understanding why we actually talk about it. So polycystic ovary syndrome, in short, PCOS, is endocrine disorder that affects, depending on diagnostic criteria, around 6 to 26% of women. It means that in 10 women you know, so your mother, sister, aunts, bosses, female friends, female colleagues, wife, your girlfriend, there will be two or three women that might be affected by PCOS. And PCOS not only affecting hormones, but also metabolic and psychological health. And what goes with that? PCOS will also affect the relationship, emotions, and mental health of women you might be very close to. So I would invite you, everyone, to listen to this podcast, no matter if you have PCOS or you're female or male. Uh, So my PCOS story starts with acne and this big hormonal painful cyst all over my face, especially the chin area. So as it was a skin problem, I went to dermatologist. 
I got prescribed antibiotics and I was sent home. Of course, antibiotics did not help me. Most probably they just damaged my microbiome and the problem did not disappear. And I still don't know why I have acne. Um, as I was doing my research, I discovered that this type of acne might be a hormonal problem and that contraceptive pill can help me. Um, I was a bit reluctant to that idea, but I was 24 years old. I did not want to have acne. I was self-conscious. I uh, My self-esteem was really affected by that. Um, so I went to gynecologist and I was prescribed hormonal pill. Here, without any blood test, without anyone telling me about the side effects of hormonal pill, and still without any diagnosis. So I went on the pill without knowing that I have PCOS. On the pill, my acne was gone, but I did not feel like myself. I was anxious, my mood was all the time changing, and I was really out of energy. Uh, but well, that was the price I was willing to pay to not have acne. And I think many people, people who struggle with acne can relate to that. Uh, acne is still um, stigmatized and it has been shown that individuals who suffer with acne often have lower quality of life and suffer psychological disturbances like uh, anxiety and depression. Um, but after a year on the pill, I decided that I want to try to heal myself in more natural way. So I stopped the pill and then the real roller coaster starts. Because my acne come back worse than ever, I start to gain weight, especially the belly area. I was losing my hair and my comb, my period completely disappeared. Um, that was going on outside of me and inside I felt horrible and I felt really, really hopeless. And the worst was that I still didn't know what's going on with me. Um, it went like that for a month and I was trying to find the answer in any possible way. Uh, I went to naturopath, I tried acupuncture, I tried Ayurveda, uh, I went even to shamanic healing, I went, um, I was in Guatemala that time, I tried many different herbs, I was told to eat nuts, to not to eat nuts, to be vegan, not to be vegan, to eat that, to not to eat that, to do that, not to do that, um, total confusion. And my symptoms was just going worse and I did not have my per period. Finally, in Mexico, I went to a gynecologist and she told me that I have PCOS. So like you, Katie, it took me so long. It took me two years and literally hundreds of miles to be diagnosed with PCOS. And it's not only my experience or your, Katie. The research shows that it takes about two years and three health professionals to establish diagnosis of PCOS in almost half of PCOS women. Wow. Yeah. And I wish to tell you that my story ends here with diagnosis, but that's just the start. Um, even though I finally have a name to my symptoms, I didn't know what to do. And the only solution that I was offered by gynecologist was hormonal pill or to lose weight. And I need to mention here that I am 160 centimeters, which is around 5.2 in England. And my weight at that time was 60 kilograms, so 9.4 stones. I was definitely not overweight, but still the treatment option I got was weight loss mm -hmm. without anyone explaining me how to do it. And everyone who suffer with any hormonal imbalances knows that losing weight is really challenging, especially when approached by yourself without any professional help. Um, as I did not have my period for a year, my acne was already all over my face and I was really mentally tired. I went back on the pill and I focused on losing my weight. I tried every possible diet, you name it, like vegan diet, vegetarian diet, paleo diet, low-carb low diet, uh, fat-free diet, keto diet, lactose-free, gluten-free, like everything. And what all these diets have in common that they are all really restrictive diets. And additionally to that, I started to practice intermediate fasting. And for people who don't know, intermediate fasting is when you have limited window of eating time, like for example, from 10 to 6 p.m. you can eat. And then for the rest of the day, you don't. 
And I was really, really strict with my eating habits to the point that I would go without food for a few days. And on top of that, I started exercise pretty intensely. And yes, I lost weight. I can lie to you at the beginning, it was great. I felt in control. And because I was on the pill, my physical symptoms were not there. But I felt something is not right because after so long period of restrictions, I had my first binge episode and it was like my brain completely switched off. I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't get back control over my body and over my mind. And the worst after the binge, the feeling of guilt, shame, a hate to myself were just overwhelming. So I restricted again and binge again. Uh, It went like that for a while to the point that most of my thoughts were focused around food, my body and exercise. Uh, Did I eat too much? Did I exercise enough? What I'm going to eat? Oh, I shouldn't eat that. And uh, you can imagine my life was a mess. Um, And when I realized that, it was like a punch in the face. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I doing with my life? Um, Do I really want to live like this? And the answer was not. I was already emotionally and physically exhausted. I felt lonely and I really had enough. So I completely changed my priorities and um, idea about how to manage PCOS. So I went to study psychology and I write my master thesis about PCOS and psychological treatments for PCOS and eating disorders in women with PCOS. I stopped the pill. I learned uh, how to eat in a balanced way without restrictions, how to move my body in the way that was pleasure for me, not because I had to lose weight. And to manage my PCOS, I focus on regulating my emotion, working on my body image and to cope with the life stressors in a better way by building supportive relationships, sleeping well and on resting. So now my menstrual cycle is regular. I ovulate. I have no acne. I have a little belly fat, but I really don't mind. I would never again want to enter the loop of dieting and disorder eating habits. So, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's really interesting, isn't it, that actually, obviously, we've been in, we're in different countries and exactly the same scenario the fertility um, doctor who I spoke to was just like, he hadn't even seen me. He hadn't even met me because this was all during COVID. And he said, right, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? And again, I wasn't much, I'm only five foot one Mm. and a half and a half. The half bit is very important. The half matters. Um, (laughs) um, And, you know, and I told him how much I weighed. And I, again, I, I can't remember what it was at the time, but I wasn't overweight. But he was just like, yeah, you could do with losing weight. And of course I was like, right, okay, fine. Um, but I went on to this like hardcore sort of dieting mindset, but no exactly. one had said why. Because you you just you just told to do it. And I was like, right, this is gonna give me a baby. Great. You know, and no one explains anything about it. It was just like, you've got this thing, it's hormonal imbalance, off you go and do this. And really there's so much more to it, isn't there? Exactly. Um, and it's so dangerous to just say someone lose weight without uh, knowing their history. Did anyone ask you about if you have eating disorders or did you nope. suffer something? Exactly. So they, mm, it's very important to screen for doctors before, before saying to someone to go on diet. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But it's the roller coaster as well, because you were saying, you know, they told you to eat this, don't eat that, try this. No, don't try that. Oh, you've mm. been trying that. Oh, no, you should never try that. That whole roller coaster of not even giving you a clear pathway of, you know, A, diagnosis, but B, how to, how to deal with it. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's so many uh, misleading information about PCS mm. all over. Also, the doctors sometimes are confused. Um, yes, unfortunately for now, it's like this, <laughs> yeah. but uh, more and more information and more and more doctors are learning about this. I think one of the things that I've I've come to discover, um, a lot of people, and you have mentioned this already, a lot of people obviously think PCOS is um, obviously a physical uh, disorder, um, and obviously it is, but the impacts on mental health are way more significant than anyone ever talks about aren't they yeah exactly um um as i said before pcs affect psychological well-being 
And it has been reported that 22% of PCOS women have at least one psychiatric disorder. It's a lot. And um, yeah, among the common mental disorders, depression, uh, is. it has been found out that 51%, so more than a half of PCOS women suffer this, with depression, also anxiety, and around 23% of women have eating disorders. So at some point of their life, women with PCOS will be suffering with depression, anxiety, or eating disorder. And also women with PCOS have a lower self-esteem, negative body image, decreased quality of life, and lower emotional well-being compared to women without PCOS. Oh, it's shocking, oh. isn't it? It's crazy. Mm. And it's such an un undiagnosed, mm. you know, it's such a it's, it's so under the radar, isn't it? For 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 a disorder a syndrome yeah exactly like uh it's still so much ignorance in general public mm-hmm. about pcos because you have a woman who complain about hair loss acne uh, obesity and she doesn't have a period and no one wants to take those women seriously but what people don't see is exactly that depression anxiety low body image um uh, yeah and other anxiety so we mm. need to open a bit more our eyes yes because PCOS really is not only about physical health mm. um and knowing the pre-check we we talked in depth and we we'd love to kind of help our listeners learn a bit more about PCOS I understand there are four different types could you talk us through those yeah of course so Depending on the diagnostic criteria, which are quite controversial in pieces, like everything in pieces in controversial, but um, there are four main types of PCOS. Uh, first one is insulin resistance, second inflammatory, third adrenal, and fourth post pill. So let's start with the first one, insulin resistant type, which is the most common type uh, of PCOS. Almost 70% of women with PCOS will have insulin resistance or increased insulin levels. Uh, insulin can drive ovarian production of testosterone that lead uh, to acne, unwanted hair growth, and male type baldness. Even though insulin resistant can cause weight, it is important to remember that insulin resistant occur also in lean women with PCOS. Um, the second type is inflammatory PCOS. And this type uh, PCOS is due to chronic inflammation in the body. Uh, it has been found out that inflammatory markers are increased in PCOS women, causing low-grade inflammation that interfere with ovulation and menstrual cycle. Uh, the inflammation can be caused by underlying autoimmune disease like Hashimoto or celiac disease, but also by food sensitivities or dysbiosis of microbiome in the gut. The third adrenal PCOS in this type of PCOS, the testosterone levels are actually normal, but the androgen levels like DHEAs and cortisol are increased. And those are the hormones of our stress response. Mm, Research shows that women with PCOS have higher perceived stress than non-PCOS women. And chronic stress has been shown to be major contributor to the development of PCOS symptoms. And then the fourth one, post-pill PCOS. So when you stop to take contraceptive pill, you get a surge of androgens in your body. And after stopping the pill, you might have irregular periods and higher androgens levels for a while. Uh, but if your periods have been regular before you went on the pill, uh, those PCOS symptoms most probably will be temporary because your body needs some time to produce hormone on its own. And I would say it can last three to 12 ma- months before your system will regulate itself. Gosh, I mean, it's so, there's so much to absorb, isn't there? The, the different <laughs> types and how, you know, one's due to too much testosterone, the other is it's normal, but there's other hormonal imbalances. And the effects of those obviously different, but similar. And it, it sounds like a really fine line to understanding which which type is which when you just look at the symptoms in yes. isolation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, You can also have both of them or three. <laughs> it's not like you have one only always, but one will be um dominant, dominant type. Oh. So yeah, women with PCOS needs to really 
find out what are their symptoms and focus more on the holistic approach, not only to cure one symptom, because the physical symptoms which are coming out are the body sign telling us that, oh, something is wrong inside. Tell us more about that. So obviously the holistic approach that you took for your symptoms, because some of the symptoms sound, I mean, the mental as well as the physical, it's, it's life altering. It's, you know, it's, it's awful. So tell us a bit more about the holistic approach that you took. Okay, so uh, as you saw, I tried so, so many things. <laughs> and uh, I think it was just learning uh, on the mistakes, like what works on them on my body and what doesn't. We need to remember that um, PCOS has so many different set, set of symptoms and my symptoms might be completely different than to other women with PCOS. Um so you need to know your symptoms. So once I knew what, what I want to achieve really by managing my PCOS and what are my symptoms, I start to focus on that. And holistic approach I took was really more um, about finding the balance for myself. Um, so not only focusing on diet and exercise, but also in the other components of health, which is sleep, uh, finding the support from outside, uh, being able to talk about that because many women with PCOS are so ashamed to talk about the symptoms and talking with someone really helps to relieve the burden. Um, also, I start to take some herbal teas like I'm drinking mint tea that's why I wanted to tell you mint tea is really good for high androgens in PCOS women uh, yeah so I I create like a daily routine which is focused on moving my body but not over exercise eating healthy but not restricting anything also focusing on sleeping um, yeah, and also my attitude toward PCOS, like accepting that I have PCOS is a lifelong uh, condition. Uh, so I will have to live with it. Uh, and that really, really, really helped me to go with it, like to own own it instead of being a victim. <laughs> I think it's interesting when you talk about that, because really, I've been on the pill for so long, it masked everything. And as soon as I came off it, I, you know, it took me ages to realize there was something wrong because I thought I've been on the pill for so long. It's taking my body ages to get back into any sort of rhythm. Um, and, you know, I, you know, dealt with it initially as to, well, I want to get pregnant. So what do I need to do? And obviously now I've had Freddie, you know, I've got to think, right, well, this is something that I still have. And this is still something that I still need to deal with. And even now in the sort of months after birth it's quite difficult when you when you've got so much else going on and you're thinking you know I'm looking after a child I've got to eat lots because I've got to get my calories up for my breastfeeding and stuff like that but you've still got to watch what you're having and you've still got to watch how much sugar you've got in your system and all those sorts of things so you talked um quite a lot there about diet and how you developed an eating disorder for people in this situation who need to sort of lose the weight to to feel a bit healthier and feel a bit better about themselves how would you sort of guide them to having a healthy approach to that rather than binging and you know obviously starving and restricting yeah exactly so first of all it's important to know that really women with PCOS have a 18 percent higher risk of developing eating disorder than non-PCOS women and just to having in mind that awareness that you might be at risk of developing unhealthy relationship, um, observing your thoughts and behavior around your food and your body and your weight and noticing if you overthink or you feel shame or guilt around your food, um, just go and talk to someone and don't be afraid to look for professional help. If you already have been diagnosed with eating disorder, do not approach weight loss by yourself you will definitely need to work with professional at least for a while um, always always avoid extremely restrictive diets in terms of restricting any food group 
or restricting calories. Actually, to improve hormonal, hormonal health, we need to eat enough calories. We need to eat enough fats, carbs, and everything. Mm. The weight loss industry do not hold cure for PCOS. Um, it is an industry worth six billion dollars, and it if it was effective, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have a problem of obesity in today's world. And PCOS in endocrine is an endocrine disorder with reproductive, metabolic, and psychological implications. So let's not treat PCOS just like nutritional disorder. But on the other side, I wish I I wish I could tell you you can eat all the cookies and fish and chips you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. Uh, there is a science to weight loss, and it will require some lifestyle changes if you want to lose weight. Mm, lifestyle modifications are first line treatment recommended for PCOS, but I want you to understand that lifestyle modifications are not only about dieting or exercise. Lifestyle modifications are also related to your psychological health and your social uh, interaction and your emotional well-being. Because even if you have the best diet of the world, but you are stressed, deprived of sleep, you feel lonely, your hormones and your behaviors will make it so hard to lose weight. Mm. I loved what you said before about your mindset and that you're not going to be a victim. That For me, that was really powerful. And obviously with what you do as a holistic coach, you you must come across clients and, and women who just feel that way who just feel that they're victims of, at the end of their tether who've been through a similar journey to your own which is up and down and not knowing where to go or been sent in the wrong direction so where does that psychology start about not becoming a victim to PCOS? Okay so many as I said before many women they ask themselves why I have to have PCOS why why me uh, but asking that kind of question really will not take you anywhere um, instead of asking why, ask what can I do about it? Um, because really, um, you can own your PCOS, you can own your health and your life. Uh, on the end, it's you who can make and take steps to make your well-being optimal. Um, so be kind to yourself and accept <laughs> your condition because PCOS might be not curable condition but is definitely manageable condition and with the right support with the right mindset you can do it I believe you can do it yeah I'd love to ask a question of both of you if that's okay about because obviously you you both have PCOS you've both been through um hell hell of a journey to get to an understanding of what it is that's going on in your bodies and 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 psychologically is there strength in knowing that there's a group out there that will support you that you have other women out there that you can connect with and just go do you know what yes that happened to me I'll let you go first <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so of course and even research shows that uh, having psychological support and support of other women with PCOS can help relieve and to cope better with PCOS symptoms. Um, yeah, and there are many, many forums on internet where you can connect with women with PCOS. And I would really recommend to do it if you think if you have PCOS or if you already have PCOS, because these women there, they will be willing to listen to you. They will be willing to motivate you and they will really understand what you are going through so don't be afraid just go and find that kind of forums and you can ask their questions you won't be judged you will be really supported there yeah I think I, I agree with that I I think it's like anything if you feel like you're on your own or if you feel like you're struggling with something and you find someone else that can relate it does instantly just help you it's like the grieving it's like pregnancy it's 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 everything that you think I can't do this. And then someone else says, I've done that. I've been there. And you're like, Oh God, it's not just me. And I think that's the way with PCOS. And it wasn't until I got diagnosed and I started talking about it when, you know, I'd sort of say to people, you know, well, I, I struggled to get pregnant. And so I, you know, I had to do this and they, and people will say, Oh yeah, I got, I got PCOS. And you think, Oh my God. Well, 
I, I didn't even know that. And so I write about it on my blog because I think it's important that mm. the conversation opens up about it because I think it can be a very lonely place, especially when you're trying to conceive and especially when it, it comes with so many mental health issues as well. Mm, exactly. And uh, yeah, I found that many women with PCOS don't want to share their um, symptoms to their family or friends because they are a bit ashamed of them. Like uh, you don't want to go to your friend and say, I have the hair on my chin or I am so ashamed of my belly fat or also uh, yeah, sharing such a thing that I can't get pregnant. So I think we should really talk about this. The more we talk about this, the more awareness is rise in um in the general public and it really can help. Yeah. It's just the stigma attached to not just PCOS, but the symptoms, as you're saying, it's we've got to get rid of that because it's it's potentially stopping women from actually going forward to get diagnosed yes exactly and already as we see that it takes so long to be diagnosed mm. um yeah the more the, the the faster the woman is diagnosed the f- better treatment plan and the less burden of mental and physical symptoms she can get so it's really important yeah definitely um for you in your experience what makes uh your symptoms of pcos better or worse Okay, so <laughs> the answer what comes to my mind first is stress will make everything worse and relaxation will make everything better. <laughs> yes, um, women with PCOS have overactive parasympathetic nervous system, which is your flight and fight stress response. Uh, women with PCOS have ultra stress reactivity, including metabolic stress, inflammatory stress, oxidative stress, stress and emotional stress so everything stress and um, <laughs> stress especially chronic stress will have a huge impact on your metabolism insulin levels adrenal levels your hormones and reproductive system and um, stress especially the psychosocial stress enhance heart reactivity and reduce upregulation of inflammatory markers in PCOS women but stress not only will change biochemistry of your body, but also will influence your behavior. Uh, people with higher perceived stress have been shown to choose diet full of product rich in fat and sugars and to spend less time on physical activity. So stress also will influence your sleep, which is important component of PCOS management. Mm-hmm. Um, and relaxation, so important. Uh, focusing on activating your sympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. Well, uh, I will not say anything new, but deep breathing, relaxation technique, meditation, yoga, mindful walking, journaling, dancing, half bath, anything what makes you feel relaxed mm-hmm. uh, will really, really help you to manage your symptoms better. And also women activate their sympathetic nervous system by meeting with their girlfriends and chatting so call your friends your girls and meet up for a tea to reset your stress response so what we're saying is that pcos doesn't stop you know life doesn't stop when you get diagnosed with pcos there's so many things that you need to actively do to keep your life going oh yes of course and if you really go into this mindset that I own my PCOS, you can see it like, um, oh, my body is giving me signs, something is wrong, and I have a power to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yes, um, no, PCOS doesn't stop your life. <laughs> you can still do everything you want. Um, yeah, with some lifestyle modifications and um, with support, you will be really, really fine. I think as with a lot of these things we talk about on this show, once a diagnosis is given, it's so much easier to take control, isn't it? It's once you understand what it is that you have and then you're able to start learning about it and you are able to gain back control. Like you say, you can control a lot of these symptoms and, you know, that comes with different, like taking part, taking care of your body and relaxing more and reducing your stress and all these things, but it can be done. It's not something which is horrific forever, is it? Yeah, exactly. And look at you and your little baby down there. <laughs> and I see so cute. You did it. So yes, you are an example, Katie. Yeah, I, I think 
it when I first got diagnosed, it was one of those things that I was like, it hit me like a brick wall because all of a sudden I thought, that's it, I can't have kids. And I didn't understand what it meant. And then I got a good, a good fertility specialist who talked me through the process. And it wasn't until he diagnosed me and I said, oh, right, okay, so what does that mean? And went off and did my own research and I bought recipe books and I bought um, books which talk about holistic approaches to polycystic ovaries that I was able to say, hold on a minute, like this is like a tick box of things that I have. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, you realize what you've got and you're able to take control. And then I realized what I needed to do then to get pregnant. And uh, yeah, along came Freddie. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's oh, being very so quiet. <laughs> He's obviously absorbed in this conversation. Um, apart from obviously the wonderful services that you offer, which we are going to pop on our blog and on our website so that people can contact you. Apart from the services that you offer, what, what else would you advise people to do or places to go to get a little bit more support or get a little bit more guidance as to how they deal with this? Okay, so your podcast is a first start, <laughs> very good <laughs> start to learn about We've got a plug on our, our own episode. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I am <laughs> so grateful. I'm so grateful that you brought PCOS to here, and that you're willing to talk about it and raise awareness. So yes, um, um, I found that uh, getting information from medical doctor can be quite challenging. Uh, so trying to find professional who specialize in PCOS, it can be PCOS nutritionists, gynecologists, endocrinologists, or even psychologists who understand hormones and menstrual health. Um, information on the internet can be very confusing and misleading, but um, you can focus on articles on the web by paying attention on the source and the research. Uh, there are also a few books that talk about PCOS, uh, for example, Healing, Healing PCOS by Amy Medling, and a few books that talk about menstrual cycle and hormones like Period Power uh, by Maisie Hill. Uh, I, I see you noting you, you. We we already plugged that on our uh, periods podcast that yeah. we did a couple of weeks yes. ago. So yeah, absolutely, it's a great book. Yeah, yes, because um, for us women and women with PCOS, especially tracking your menstrual cycle can give so many informa important information about health, and not only physical but also emotional aspects. And, and there are many apps that can help you to track the period. Like I personally use Clue. Um, um, but I, what I would really understand is to start with yourself, like knowing your body is the best thing. Um, there are some, as we mentioned before, there are different types of PCOS and the set of symptoms will differ from women to women. So my symptoms might be completely different than yours. So knowing, by knowing your symptoms, your life goal, your health goals, your current life situation will be, you will be able to choose treatment plan that suits your needs uh, because it will be different for women who wants to get pregnant. It will be different for women who wants to reduce inflammation and it will be different for women who suffer with eating disorder. So try to educate yourself about PCOS management, but also about your hormones and your menstrual health, because it can be very, very useful. I've got a couple of questions and one we're probably not going to be able to answer without it getting very, very heated. And the other, I'll, I'll follow. But the million dollar question is, why isn't there enough research, knowledge, medical practitioners who have the skills, the, the, the tacit knowledge in how to deal and diagnose with PCOS? From an outsider oh. listening to you both, why is the medical industry and why is there not enough information and people talking about PCOS? Oh, that's a difficult question. It's a, it's a difficult question. It, <laughs> yes. There's got to be abundance of, re you would think, abundance of research going on because, as you said, this affects a lot of people, mm. a lot of people. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, PCOS actually was described already 300 years ago, okay? But it has been forgotten um, by 
90s only, the research started. And there are a few factors why. First of all, the research on women uh, started only in 90s because before it was very expensive to do research on women. And it's not only about PCOS, but also about other, other health issues. Okay. Also because there is so many variables in women. She is menstruating. So she's changing every 28 days or she's different. So it's very expensive and uh, they didn't want to do research on women. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's painful. Vicky's, Vicky's feminist hat is coming out now. Oh look my at her. God. Human. <laughs> mm, exactly. Also, PCOS is so complex that... Um, the, the reason why women get PCOS is still not very well known. And also our medical system, which focus only on symptoms instead of uh, the, the cause of the sickness. So also that's one of the reasons. Um, as I told you, for my acne, I went to dermatologist. For other issue, I would go to gynecologist. So it's not like multi dimensional medical care system that we that we have. And as I told you also, the PCOS symptoms has been ignored because who would bother about a woman who doesn't have period and and have acne and her complaints? Um, yes. Agnieszka, I'm just going to say is uh, I, I tend to be a stat queen on um, the podcast and I just want to thank you for backing up the argument that I knew the answer was going to be because there's not enough funding because who would help a woman with research with PCOS? Who would do it? So thank you very much, Katie. You best take over right now. Before <laughs> I, I <laughs> you're going to start smashing your office up. I can see. Oh it. yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I think um, like from my point of view, and I don't know what it's like where you are, Agnieszka, but here we used to be in a position where we would have a, a GP and it would be a family GP and you would always see the same person all the time and it's not like that anymore you kind of it might be in some doctors but now you phone up and you're like oh hi can I speak to a doctor and they're like what's the problem and they'll all say we'll guide you in in terms of the you know the best person who's best placed to deal with that now as a result, before I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, it took so many professionals to actually come together. And actually, it took one person to read through all my history and go, that's what that is. And I think the problem is, it's the relationship with medical professionals. But it's also the fact that some of these things are so varied, you know, periods versus acne, you might not necessarily put the two together. But if there was so much more so many more people talking about it and it was much more publicized people might go oh well, hold on a minute I've got really bad acne my periods are very irregular because when I came off the pill I started to get acne around my chin and I, that was very unusual for me and I was like oh maybe it's just because I'm off the pill and of course it was but it was it was because of something else and Vicky and I talked about on our periods podcast the other day about when you are taught about periods you're basically set they say to you here's a box of Tampax, off you go, this is going to happen, see you later. There's no discussion about what happens if there is an irregularity with that. What happens if you don't have a regular cycle? What are the other things you need to be aware of? And I think that's a major issue with so many people going undiagnosed and mm. not talking about it. No. <laughs> yes. Also, um, in a medical setups, they have limited time, right? They have 15 minutes yeah. to diagnose you and <laughs> it's like this. But yes, I think the the root issue would be really about educating women about the the basics of menstrual cycle. Because as you said, giving someone a tampax and go, <laughs> it's not, not enough. Um. Uh, yeah, luckily, more and more women talk about it, more and more mm. research is done, more books are written. So I think we are entering slowly in the better, better, better. <laughs> that was going to be my next question, actually, following up from, from the, you know, the horrible, there's not enough research on it. From both your perspectives, I guess, do you feel the coverage of PCOS and the resources that are now available is it getting better uh, i think yes <laughs> but 
maybe I'm biased because I'm all the time reading research <laughs> yeah. about this and uh, putting things together. So yes, <laughs> and because I'm working with clients, I'm all the time listening about PCOS. So I might be biased, but I really hope that yes is getting better. I don't know how to answer that because I didn't know what PCOS was until I got diagnosed, in mm-hmm. which case then I went looking for it. And I don't know now if there is more stuff on it because I'm actually actively looking for it or mm-hmm. actually if the coverage of it is getting better. But I, I still think regardless of what's out there at the moment, more needs to be done, more need more needs to be talked about it. Yes, I know, Freddie. I know. He's very yeah. he's very heated about this now. <laughs> Clearly on your research wagon there, Vicky. Oh. It's it's such a, when you, it's not even scratching under the surface, but the more we talk about it, the more of the kind of, just the in-education about it is almost the foundations of why it's not a better situation for everyone, why women are suffering even more. Um, and it's quite upsetting. But then people like yourself, Agnieszka, who's coming to the fore with your programs that you offer um, and the, the coaching that you provide. Did you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yes, yes, of course. Um, uh, so I work one-on-one with my with my clients and I really focus on the individual needs of the women <laughs> and what symptoms they, they suffer and what they really want to achieve. Um, and I am focused. So I need to mention here, I am not nutritionist. I'm not a gynecologist and I'm not endocrinologist. I am psychologist (laughs) uh, who study hormones also. Uh, And my main focus is about the mental health of women with PCOS and uh, psychoeducation. So I might recommend some um, supplements or some food tricks but mostly I focus on the lifestyle changes because uh, changing the current lifestyle and some habits is super difficult for some people Uh, it requires a really mental strength and some support and motivation to to do it so that's what I'm focused about and I also really focus as I said about the stress and to make women relax and teach them how to cope better with their emotions with the stress and uh, to build their their life uh, holistically so not only about diet and exercise but also about relationships and finding their their strength inside of them so basically you're the wonder woman of PCOS space <laughs> you're, you're a bit of a savior that's that's amazing and I imagine the clients are just overwhelmed by the fact that they have this support considering the journey that you went through I'd take it that's that's the inspiration had you had that support it would have made life a lot different for you oh yes oh yes I wish I knew so many things before because I wouldn't make all these mistakes I did I wouldn't enter the eating disorder which is so difficult to get out I would be managing my health better I wouldn't spend all the money on useless things I have spent uh, and all the time and all the frustration and helplessness I could avoid if I was diagnosed before and if I could have the the support of someone else who understands PCOS. We'll, of course, put all your details and everything on our website um, for anyone who is affected by this episode and wants to get in touch with you as well. I think what you're saying about the mental health support, I think if I'd have, if I'd have realized when I was first diagnosed the mental health impact that it would have had, I think I would have approached it much differently. And I think it's probably something that I will look at now from a mental health perspective, because obviously before, like I say, it was very much of that, right, what have I got to do to get pregnant? How do I deal with this? How do I lose the weight? You know, whereas like you say, this is a lifelong thing and it's about owning it. So I think your approach that comes from the, you know, lifestyle changes is is a brilliant one because I think it starts at the root core, doesn't it? Mm, exactly so yeah oh (laughs) it's amazing um... sorry I was going to say just like with with all our guests that come on I think the one thing that you know just astounds me every time and you're a wonderful addition to the strong tea family because it's 
going through a traumatic journey that has affected physically, psychologically, mentally, and yet using that to give back and to learn from it, to, to grow. And it just astounds me. Um, yeah. And the fact that you're giving back through this forum as well um, with what you're doing with your coaching and your programs is, is phenomenal. Yeah. It's fabulous. Oh, thank you. We can Katie. Oh, I'm so grateful that you so right. about this. <laughs> we do like to offer all of our guests what we call a final sip, which uh, is basically we're we're passing the baton. Oh, that's Sorry, uh, that's, that's that cherry, cherry. Cherry wants the final sip. Cherry, cherry can't <laughs> have the final sip. Cherry's the sound engineer. <laughs> Um, we always offer the floor to our guests um, in terms of what sort of message they'd like to leave listeners with. And obviously, like I say, we will put everything that um, you've talked about onto our blog and how people can contact you. But for people listening, what would you like to leave as a lasting thought from this episode? Okay, so um, don't be afraid to talk about your health issue, no matter if you have PCOS or not, um, if you're uh, symptoms are embarrassing really really don't be afraid to reach out for help because there will be people who will be willing to help you and who will understand you uh, if you think that you might have PCOS definitely go and get a diagnosis because it will help you to manage your symptoms better um, yes <laughs> and, uh, and really as we said before own it, own your health and um, your PCOS journey. Make the best of it as much as you can because it's really the body that communicates to you that please help me here. I am here for you, but you have to be here for me too. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a good final tip. I like that. <laughs> Agnieszka, thank you so much you. for joining us today. Um, and if you like what you hear, listeners, um, and you want to support us, head to our supporters page on our website where you can buy us a coffee or a tea, uh, heading towards G&T time, actually. So, yeah, if you fancy buying us a G&T as well, feel free. That sounds good, doesn't it? I, it does, doesn't it? And as we're approaching winter as well, you could buy us a hot chocolate. Oh, so get onto that page um, and buy us a brew if you like it. Um, stay with us for some more absolutely compelling, inspirational, astounding episodes that we've got coming up for you. Um, so, yeah, I was going to do the it's good night from him and good night from me again. No, yeah, I was compelled by the fact that you said astounding episodes. I was like, oh, that sounds oh, good. I'll are. listen. I'll listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were there. You I know. There. I know. I know. I've, I was just enthralled by what you were saying. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Good night from me. <laughs> and it's good night from me. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks, and see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.